Toitearapuru Sounds Enga reo, enga mana, rauranga tirama, tēnā koutou katoa. You are with the Sounds podcast series for Sounds Centre for New Zealand Music, Toitearapuru, ko Tony Huata Ahau. Today I'm joined by Macy Rika, Ngāhui Apanui and Jerome Kavanagh to talk about the influence of Māori boarding schools on their music careers. A tēnā koutou katoa, ko tatu mai nei rengi te kaupapa mō te rā, mō tō tātou uiui ko rero-rero, mō tō tātou wā i te kura, ngā kura noho Māori. Tainua ki tēnei wā, mō tō tātou mahi tito, mahi waiata, ki rotu i te ao pūro, nō reira tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. He paku... Karakia mo te tīmatatanga o tō tātou hui. Aio mauriora ki te rangi, aio mauriora ki te whenua, aio mauriora ki a tātou katoa. Turuturu o whitiwhaka maua ki a tēnā. Haumie hui e tāiki e tēnā koutou. First of all, thank you, everybody, for coming together today, uh, especially during these, this current lockdown. We know that uh, continuing our mahi during a global pandemic is very challenging. Um, so thank you all for joining our hui to speak about your music careers and contribution and influence that attending Māori boarding schools um, have had within your music. Uh, this podcast, Zoom, uh, will be timeless in its broadcast. So, ai, ngā mihi, nui ki um, So, first of all, if we can just go around by saying ko wai koe, no hia koe, I'll start us off. Um, I te taha o tōku kōka, no ngā te kahungunu ki te wairoa, me rongo whakāta ngā iwi. I te taha o tōku pāpa, no repara, wera, haina, areni, ngā whenua o ōku tīpuna. Ko au te kai hautu pūro Māori o toi te ara pūru sounds. Ko tauni hua ta tōku ingoa, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Ka huri ki a koe, ngā hiwi. Tēnā hoki koutou, tēnā tātou, e hui ngā ipurangi nei i tēnei rā. Ko ngā hiwi apanui tōku ingoa. Ko tētahi ōku iwi, ko te whaanau apanui, ko tētahi anō ko ngā tiprau. Tatu atu ki rongo whakāta, rongo mai wahine, hoki whakate tokerau ki Ngāti Hene, ki Ngāti Whātua anō hoki pēnei mai ki te atiawa. Nā rera ko taku mahi nāne, ko te tumu whakahaere me ki te tumu whakahaere o te tairuwhiri te reo Māori. Tēnā tata katoa. Tēnā koe ngā hiwi. Kia koe i nai nei e hoa, Macy? Ko tōku mei sotahi kia koe i te mā reikura, nā haui whakatūpira i tia tō tātou hui i tēnei rā, i mihiana o tira kia koutou katoa, o nā kai whakahari o tēnei kaipapa, kei muri rā, kei muri nā ārai meki, kia kōrua hoki o kuwhoa 
kaipuro kaiwaiata e mihi e mihi aroha e mihi mai oha na kia koutou tēnei o tātou kaipapa koiai ko putaua ki te maenga ko ohine mataro te awa ko mātātua te kwaka ko ngā te awa ko tūhoi ko te aroa ko te wāna awanui o ku iwi kei kōneki kei te kāinga mātou tēnei wai noho haumariwana i rotoi tō tātou mirumiri tonu kei whakatāne mātou ko tōku whanui e noho ana Ko te kura o Hatohoi, pa te kura i Kurainau, mō ngā tau e rima. Nō reira, e mihi ana ki te kaipapa. Kia ora. Kia ora, Macy. Kia koe i nai nei, Jerome? O nga mihi aroha ki a koutou katoa huriru ni tawhore nei. Tēnei te mihi atu ki a koutou aku whanaunga. Ko ai tēnei mokopuna, ko rua hine te pai maunga ko rangi tika i te awa, ko mako kome, ko te kai na tūturu, ko kahungunu, te tangata, upoko iri, kono mōkai, hinemanu Ngātipake, hauiti, o ko hapu, e, tērā te taha tōku whaia, en te taha tōku kraua, no reriahu maniapoto. Ai, koera. E, tau tōku te pōrero, e mihi nunui kia koutou katoa te kaupapa nei ko au he tamatawhito no Paula Hata Paula, kia ora Kia ora Jerome, tēnā koe, tēnā koutou katoa I would like to bring us back to our kaupapa of the day um, we all attended Māori boarding schools or various hāhi, church denominations, where the experience um, would have contributed towards many leaders in the art, sport, government sectors. Um, I went to Turikena Māori Girls College and I certainly know that it played a part in my chosen career in the arts, uh, starting with hairdressing, then music, theatre, producing, and now this role at Sounds. So Kayakwe um, Macy, um, you you featured in an album Ehine at the age of fourteen years uh, during your time at Hotohohepa, uh, which eventually won an award. Atuatahi, tell us about your experience in that project, boarding school life, and the influence it has had in your musical journey. Yeah. Well. Um, all I remember is day one, um, I'm in front of Miss Kingi singing Pōkarikariana. The next thing I know, I'm at Kapahaka practice. And uh, after that, um, I'm in front of these um, people from Wellington, Hepa, Keha, all the way from um, Eastbourne. There's a, there's a recording studio over in Eastbourne. So, yeah, next thing I know, we're over there um, recording this album, um, Ehine. And I always, I always remember that time because um, we were in studio all day. We had three or four days there, and there was nineteen tracks. And we'll be in studio all day. I ate a lot of honey, and I, and they gave me a lot of butter um, to eat uh, to keep the koro koro, uh, you know, um, going. And then during during the evening, there was heaps of kōrero about um, the people's princess, uh, Princess Diana and Mother Teresa. On the, it was the same time; it was in August, so I'll never forget that time. Um, yeah, she she had passed that time. So um, we were doing this album, and then it could have, um, of course, uh, um, just so many memories. Um, the sisterhood um, we lived and 
did everything together. There was no phones. There was no internet at that time. So we, we just talked a lot. We hung out a lot in the gym, practicing um, kapahaka, where kura, you know, doing our mahi over there. Um, it taught me how to study um, at Hatoho Hepa um, and just to nohopuku. Um, and there was always a plan. I think the girls, the girls are still in, still at Kura, even though it's been locked down, you know, they're still at Kura, they had their plan. I always remember that Miss King always had us um, safe and, and secure, and there was always a plan. Um, yeah, so that's what I what I remember is that sisterhood, that strong bond between um, uh, my friends and I, my sisters and I, um, and of course that massive massive respect for our, our great leader Miss Kingy at the time <laughs> at the time I didn't see it but in hindsight I definitely I definitely do see it I mean it started from day one you know when we were across the road, road waiting to be pohirid on and feeling all awkward in our regulation shoes and and um, before we had the pohirid Miss Kingy and then Irere, um, um came over and they started taking off taking um, our taonga Girls had earrings and their noses, and yeah, so they got everything young. And I remember they they took off our our um our carvings, you know, they took them off, and and at first I was in shock, but um kahuri mai katahuri mai a muskingi kia mata kamia mia So once you walk in those gates, it's all about you know the tonga inside of you. So that was the first day. So it had a strong um impact on my life yeah hope that answered your part <laughs> so this was when you um started at Hotohohepa they did this not for the recording session no not for the recording session so so just before we went on we were called on just before we had our bohi she came down and you know had us tie our hair back and said it's yeah, before we walk in those gates, yeah, it's all about use and yeah, that's what she said. I'd never been referred to like that before, so that means a lot. Yes, yes, and um, normally we refer to our tongue when that you know, like, but you know, I know what you know where she was coming from in terms of like, you know, you are the tonga. You are the precious gifts. You are the ones that are coming to um, experience and engage in your time here at Hotepa. And you know she's still there. I understand too. Yeah, and the girls still don't do fakataitai. You know the kapahaka. Yeah, no, we didn't do fakataitai um, at the polyfest that we would. That was, I think, every second, every second year. Never, never competed. So that pressure was always off. But um, in saying that, we were always on the move, um, promoting the kura, went throughout the motu. I mean, we're going to all the marae, pakipaki or mahu, tāngoi or waimarama. We went, you know, and that, that's where I would um, sing. Um, but, yeah, that very first day, the pohiri, and then, of course, um, I was in the dining room that same night because someone let slip, I think it was my auntie and some of the girls let slip that I love to to sing. And so um, that very first night, I you know, in the dining room there, Miss um, King had me sing for Karikaria, and I think I got through the first half of the first verse, and she just went like that, and she says, "I've heard enough. Be it practice in forty-five minutes, and that was it." So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually quite hard to get in. My mum had to drop, jump quite a few hoops because one, I wasn't baptized or had any learning of the Catholic faith. Um, you had to have straight A's. There was a, quite a few 
things. And um, the biggest one, of course, was the financial thing. So, um, you know, it was just my mum raising me and my brother. So she worked like three jobs. Um, but luckily, um, I was brought up whangau to my whanau over into whanau They had a long history with the kura. So, um, yeah, they, they put, in the, put in the word and I was able to go get in. And then, um, yeah, did kapahaka and all that, um, all that stuff and, you know, the choir singing and, um, you know, the hymns, um, where our kupu, um, those are beautiful melodies and, and all the harmonies. I learned how to, the appreciation for a melody. And then, of course, in kapahaka practice, you know, so I was in the chapel a lot singing singing the hymns and, and kapahaka practice a lot, you know, singing our Māori haka waiata. Um, yeah, and then we had to nohopuku a lot. There were many weekends, long weekends, where we were still at kura, you know, and 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 we had to study. I mean, she always said, you know, because you were wahine, you have to work twice as hard because you were Māori wahine three times as hard. So, yeah, a lot of lot of things, a lot of things that she instilled in us at a young age. Wow, what a wonderful mentor. Um, and in particular for yourself, um, I've heard many wonderful stories about um, Miss Kingy. And obviously it was very, very important to her to make sure that the, the girls were protected, that they were um, ensuring that through their education, through their choices, that, um, that they would receive the best in life. That's what I'm hearing from you. And I've heard many wonderful things about her. Um, Oh, well, kia ora mō tērā ehua. Thank you so much for sharing that because, you know, we'll, we'll get more to our kōrero about the um, boarding school life as we move through our, our uiui. So ngā mihi kia koe. Kia um, Moving on to you, Jerome. Um, your, you've attributed your journey in Taonga Puro to your whānau and in particular to your nan. Uh, which was for Hauora and wellness. Can you tell us about how your boarding school experience contributed towards your chosen career path? Kaya koe te wā, Jerome. Oh, kia ora tauni, kia ora whānei. Um, yeah, well, I came from like a farming background in the back blocks of Taihope, between Taihope and uh, Omahu, the on the Ruahine Ranges. Um, so I got booted off to Hatapolo when I was 11. I was but uh, one of those kids that got, for some reason, pushed up. And, um, yeah, I was the littlest fella at Hatapolo. <laughs> and, um, yeah, again, I just similar kind of experience, I suppose, to Macy with going into the Pohiri on the first day and just seeing all the boys, um, you know, way at the Pohiri and Hakasin. And that was quite, um, you know, just memorable. Um, being this like scared little fella, <laughs> uh, my crew was actually one of the first ones that that kura and then my uncles went there, so I was the third generation, and that sort of got drummed into me, like, oh, you're the third generation, so you're going to hunt the polder. So I didn't really know what I was going into, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was quite homesick because I was on the farm and just real far no sort of stylies and with my nan and kuru in them and. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a shock, you know, but a beautiful one. Um, Taihop is quite a, you know, rural, quite heavily colonised sort of place as well. So um, I loved, you know, just sponging up all our Māori tanga and, and going in there. And obviously we had a lot of um, 
amazing influences in there. Um, Papa Tipu, Morgan Simon, and Kura Simon. Um, yeah, and just <clears throat> and the same too with the going into chapel. Um, on on the first, you know, first um, morning going Monday morning going into Karakia and, and um, all the third forms or the stinkers. Uh, we would be at the front, and then just being feeling that here and that beautiful as waves are blasting in through your back, and um, that was quite a hair raising uh, experience, you know, and just to feel that power of the waiata, uh, itiata, you know. Um, so yeah, I really love that part too, um, and of course we, I think we're a bit different to Hatohohe because we did have competitions. Um, and they were pretty fierce, you know, and uh, yeah, it was quite full on regime of um, kapahaka practice every day, every morning, lunch, like just living and breathing it. And um, yeah, and then our tour kind of they taught us, they were pretty fierce as well. So it was sort of like you were scared into greatness. <laughs> um, I won't mention any names. No. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was just that sort of culture, you know, of of just living and breathing it, and yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, very influential. Mm. Oh, Kilda Jerome. And so, um, do you think that experience contributed towards your chosen career path? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely did. I mean, just in terms of being immersed in and waiata and haka and composition and I mean yeah not so much tonga puro but you know it sort of sets up the base for that and of course um, you know like Macy was saying we toured around the motu quite a lot as well so that set me up in terms of you know what the realities and you know the rigour of touring uh, with a kapa and yeah it was it was that was amazing, you know, like, of a, yeah, it helped me a lot for what I'm doing now, you know. It's the basis, really, um, or one of them anyway. So true, so true. Um, I remember doing the tours too um, with Turakina, and we were Presbyterian, and Hotapaura was um, Catholic. Katorika. Katorika, yes, like um, Hotapaura, and, um, but there was a lot of us that were Anglican, but um, Presbyterian were very similar to Anglican faith. And um, I have to agree with both of you, the, um, the harmonic singing based upon the melodies, especially in the school assemblies and certainly in chapel, were just really, really special. And each house yeah. as well had their own style. And most houses had certain iwi in their house. This is for, for us at Turakina would have been no doubt throughout our all our Māori boarding schools and um, and that iwi style even coming into the singing, we noticed there too. Yeah, now kapai, and you're certainly a big kōtiti haere, for sure, sharing your kaupapa e hoa. So I want to move it over to you, uh, Ngāhiwi. You attended Hatotipine and then went to Victoria University where you were part of their Kaupapa Māori music band Aotearoa. And um, as many may be aware, Aotearoa recorded many, uh, released many waiata, including the very famous Maranga Ake Ai. 
Um, please tell us about your journey through higher education, including life at Hatotipene and Victoria, and how those experiences contributed towards your compositions. Kayakwete wa ehoa. Uh, kia ora, Tony, and, and kia ora, Tatangas. It's nice to hear the recollections from Macy and Jerome. Um, I, I got to St. Stephen's, and it was probably the first time ever I wore shoes. Um, I had grown up um, in Tauratua, and I remember mum, when I was about seven or eight, buying me some butter bullets, and I hated them. You know, I, I could barely wear the damn things, and so I got 100 metres down the road till I got out of sight of my mum, and then I took them off and put them in my bag, and then I lost them that day. Um, but we were having to wear shoes all the time was something that I, you know, my fat feet had to come to grips with because they were flat as anything, you know, from basically 13 years of running around uh, with no shoes on. And I, I still have problems with them today. But the other thing that got me was the discipline and the way that it was rigorously enforced. Um, and that took a lot of getting used to. And in fact, I was terrified at certain times in, in my life there at, at Tipene because you know, it just seemed to me that people enjoyed, you know, meeting out their their, their form of discipline at times. Um, but the things that stuck out for me was the fact that I, you know, they they um, really encouraged us to to do well academically. Uh, and and I'd probably, you know, and I knew my mother was a solo mum with ten children, so I I knew that I had this this opportunity, and I couldn't waste it. So I didn't focus on the rugby. Uh, I didn't focus on the sporting things. I, I focused on getting school C and Dewey and getting to university, and Tipene was my ticket to get there. Um, the other thing that I kind of picked up along the way was harmony. And I had grown up listening to the old people harmonising on the marae and harmonising at Tangi, and one of the songs that really used to pull at my heartstrings was Piko Nei Te Matenga Ne. Piko Nei Te Matenga and they would sing it in four-part harmony. And I can remember it. Every tongue in would bring tears to my eyes. Uh, and then getting to St. Stephen's, I can remember going to my first chapel service. And that was the other thing, was chapel every day except for Saturday when we prayed to a rugby ball. Uh, and then on Sunday, we had two services. We had communion in the morning for an hour and then another uh, service at 7 o'clock at night. And this took quite a bit of getting used to for me because, you know, the only time I did karakia was when mum would drag us along to church or when we'd, uh, we were on the marae. But the, the wonderful thing about being in, 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 uh, in these church services was that I got to sit in front of these three guys and I can tell you who they are, Pat Matakuare, Ernest Sunlay and Joe Harupereka. And they used to sit together, two of them from Tuhoi, Pat and Joe, and Ernest, Ernest, where was he from? I can't remember. But I sat there um, quite by accident one time, um, probably in the first week at Tipene, and these three guys started singing in three-part harmony, and um, it blew me away. So I kept going back to sit in front of them and, and, and had to try hard not to keep turning around to stare at them because they were such, such beautiful singers. And in the senior concert party, you could hear them. You could hear the three of them, such beautiful, strong voices. And... Um, the sad thing about it was they left the following year. and <laughs> But what they did was they introduced my ears to three-part harmony. And um, I could already play the guitar. I taught myself to play the guitar. And I'd written songs and things since I was about seven. You know, I want to be, um, you know, pop star and all the rest of it. 
but I get to Tipping and I hear this harmony. And um, the one thing though was we were not allowed to take our music instruments, but like Macy having her her tonga taken off her, well, we weren't allowed to take our guitars. And uh, I left my guitar with one of my older brothers and he broke it and I wasn't very happy with him because, you know, it was the only guitar I'd ever owned. And mum had spent a lot of money, you know, which was about 30 or 40 bucks back in the day, but that was a lot of money for one thing. And um, so as I went through um, Tipeni, I was in the the junior concert party. They didn't call it the kapahaka, called it the concert party. And then in the seniors. but what Tipeni did, uh, it introduced me to harmony. And the second thing that Tipeni did, um, I suppose, was get me thinking about music because I missed it so much. I missed playing my guitar. Uh, so so that when I got out, um, I had a bit of a gap year. I didn't complete my seventh form year. And I got a, well, when I say I got a job at the railway station um, as, a, as a, a clerical assistant, <laughs> it wasn't me who got it, it was my cousin's who after a couple of weeks had had enough of my holiday and decided to get me a job interview for this office job. And there's not much you can say when the parking man is shaking your hand and say the job, you know, saying to you, the job is yours. <laughs> and I said, yes. Um, and so I ended up staying in Wellington quite by accident. I was supposed to go up to Auckland. But I got to really love uh, Wellington. And uh, I can remember my first pay. I went and bought a guitar, an electric guitar from Capital Music in Courtney Place. And then when I got my second pay, I went and put down a deposit on a um, small amp and um, <laughs> uh, and and then started travelling over uh, to meet a parking mate of my um, cousin's who was a heavy metal guitarist. And really all he wanted was somebody to play rhythm while he went crazy on his guitar. And after a couple of months of this, I got a bit ho-ha because I thought, you know, because I couldn't play solos because I didn't know scales. So I didn't know how chords were put together, all that type of thing. And so one day I thought, oh, I'll flatter this guy and see what happens. And I said to him, hey, bro, you must be one of the best guitarists in Wellington, eh? And he went, um, he went, you reckon? Like, yeah, man, better than those guys that are playing in the pubs. And so he showed me a blue scale, which I soon worked out was a minor scale um, used over a major chord. Uh, and then I worked out, you know, the um, the relationship between uh, minor scales and, and and major scales and things like that and went back the next week and, and joined him going crazy on the guitar. Um, <clears throat> and that was the thing I found with a lot of uh, the, the young Māori that I've, I've worked with in music. They pick things up really, really quickly, incredibly talented, you know. Uh, and then I started at Vic the following year and met Joe Williams and Maru and Kara, uh, Kararangiho and ones like that. And um, and then really started, that's when I started to play in cover bands, was probably my first year at university. And playing in cover bands was the closest thing that we had to a music course back in the day. Um, but my real, you know, um, <clears throat> my education started at Vic, not so much in the lecture theatre, but in the marae. As young people walking around, you know, flexing our imaginary muscles. Um, and um, uh, the thing that I really enjoyed about it was that no longer was I going to be disciplined but the things about me um, that uh, probably weren't celebrated at Tipene were celebrated at Victoria um, <clears throat> you know for instance being Māori and um, I, I've always been the dark one so you know there was all hey you're black this and hey you're black that um, and and I think you know there was no harm meant by it but it became too casually used in conversation and it took me a little while to start kicking back against it. And so when somebody would call me a black this, I'd say, well, hey, hey you're fat. And they'd go, oh, no need to be like that. And i said, well, you started it. 
you know, just to let people know that I wasn't going to take that anymore and and that I was proud of who I was and, and I had a right to, you know, uh, to at least be treated civilly. And, and so those types of things started to, to come up for me. Um, <clears throat> but Vic was very much uh, a hugely empowering, um, you know, experience for me because it taught me to stand up. It taught me to be proud of who I am. And it really taught me to appreciate my upbringing in a Māori-speaking family. And, and that was the thing I really, really loved because at Tipene, I'd hidden away. I didn't want to fight quarter, for instance. And I can remember my first week, a lovely Māori teacher, Reuben Clark, came up to me and said, Ngāhiwi te ahue nei ko koe te mea mōhio o te third form ki te kōrero Māori. Māhau te tū ki te kōrero. And I just ran. I think I got away with, with doing one fai kōrero at Tipene. Uh, because my belief was that, that that role was primarily performed by our kaumātua, not by some 13 or 14-year-old. Uh, and even after I finished at university and went back home, I waited for the old people to say to me, Ngāhiwi, haramai. And, and that happened at Mangahani and Marae in about 1990. You know, uh, I didn't, there are a lot of young men I notice who think, okay, well, I can, I know a karakia or I can speak Māori reasonably well, therefore I have a right to stand to speak. And that was not my upbringing. My upbringing was when the, the old people say it's time, that's when you stand. Um, and so, you know, being at Vic was a hugely empowering experience. And then we started with Aotearoa, um, particularly driven by Joe's um, rendition of Marana to me. And I couldn't believe that somebody, there was a law student at university that could sing like that with such power and passion, you know. Um, and uh, and I, every time he sung that in practice, he was brilliant, you know, just, just hit every note. Then we'd go out and play and he just get carried away. <laughs> Which, which is, it was hard not to do because those Aotearoa gigs were like rallies. They weren't like, um, you know, like gigs. They were like rallies. People were, you know, fists in the air and all sorts of things going on. And, you know, I was hopeful that it was due to the message rather than the um, the substances they were imbibing because even then I didn't drink or smoke. I, you know, I, I didn't see any anything good for me in drinking um, or, or taking in any kind of substance. So it was it was an interesting time. But the thing that I would take away the most from Tipini, I suppose, for me, was it was at Tipini I started thinking about uh, music in Te Reo Māori and, um, and how, how much of a difference a band playing and singing about contemporary issues in Te Reo Māori would make. Um, and that was part of what, what Aotearoa became as well. Uh, and also, uh, you know, a bit of a divergence down into, uh, into Motete, which was really... Um, something that I took from my youth because when I was seven, I moved out to live with my grandfather so my mum could go to Rotoria and work on the telephone exchange, which allowed her to pay for my brothers, older brothers and sisters that went to, to Queen Vic and Tipini as well. Uh, and my grandfather every night would put us to bed at six o'clock because he was an army man <laughs> and we'd be staring outside because the sun was still shining. And then he'd start to sing at about eight o'clock his motetea and his war songs. And when I first heard it, it freaked me out. But after a week, I couldn't sleep without it. It was so comforting. And so I took that with me as I as I um, went through Tipene and, and through Victoria as well. So those were the main things for me um, from Tipene, um, was being introduced to harmony, uh, understanding that there was something there for us in terms of te reo Māori and our music. Uh, but also, I think uh, learning to stand up for myself was a big thing. Wow. And that kaha would have come from your mum, no doubt. Like, um, 
Yeah, my mum was this tiny woman. She was five, probably, she, I think she said she was, I think she imagined she was five foot five, but but mum was probably more five foot one. And um, and I take her name. My father was a henare, um, the grandson of Tau and uh, Tau Henare and Hedda Sabritsky. Uh, but after they split, I think he spent a bit of time, actually three decades, pretending he had no children. Um, and so my mother, brought us up, she paid for us, and she was too proud to go to him to ask him for money for our bringing. That's, that was just our mother. And um, so I had this tiny woman who was the rock in my life. And and um, so when I went to Tipene, as much as I was terrified at times, I wasn't going to leave because that would let her down. And I can remember when I graduated from Vic, she was there and she was always going to be there. And look, you know, after a year or so, the... the um, study became secondary to the music and all the other things that I was doing. And I remember going up to receive my certificate from, you know, um, Sir Mason Jury and his wife, who was a kohere from Te Araroa. And everybody was doing their haka and it was, you know, this, this is one of the most uplifting experiences you can have is to, is to have somebody doing a haka for you, a haka totoko. It's just, you know, it's amazing. And, um, so I got my certificate and I went back down and he's my mum in tears. And as soon as I saw her in tears, I knew exactly why. And I said to myself, you lazy little, you know what, you've mucked around, you know, at university. If you get the chance to study again, you honour your mother and you get an A because that's what she deserves. And so when I did my master's later, um, you know, 20 years later, that was it. I, I There was no mucking around. I was going to you know, get the best mark I could get to honour her. And I dedicated that um, that thesis to my mother and to my grandmother. Um, but in saying that, I am a henari. That's, that's who I am. Um, I have the big head and the big ears to prove it. And, um, you know, and it's and I'm very, very proud because one of the, the, the most lovely things of recent years has been, uh, you know, hooking back up with them and learning a lot about who I am and where that, because the upper knees are quiet. They, they don't want to rock the boat. Um, they're the type of people who put their heads down and just get the work done regardless. And, and I've benefited from that. My mother showed me that. Don't show off now. Here we just do the work. Let your work speak for itself. Um, whereas the Henares, that's where the fight comes from. You know, um, the family has a long established tradition of, of um, standing up for, for our people and for Kaupapa Māori and um, uh, you know that's that's part of my DNA as well, um, and I've I, but I've learned to use it in a different way. You can call out injustice without hitting somebody or insulting them. Uh, you can call out justice by by kindly reminding people of you know what the facts are, about pointing out um, things that they mightn't have thought thought about before, and also with education. But a lot of that too for me has been. Um, you know, tanga and manakitanga, which for me is inclusion. Um, I've heard people say those are relationship building, but for me, it's inclusion. It's finding a reason to bring somebody into your whanau, into your whare. And in the case of uh, Te Tauru it's about bringing people into our whare, Te Whare o Te Reo Māori, um, and making sure they're safe to be there. But, you know, I'm proud of, of you know, what my father has given me, uh, but my mother as the architect of my life <laughs> and, and and my rock. And when I lost her in 2006, that took a, a lot of adjusting, a lot of getting used to, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. 
Um, I, I can I can see that um, a lot of us have received that backbone support from our mothers, from our koka, our fire, and and our queer. And um, I know that for me also, I was a bit of a daddy's girl. My grandfather was my father. And um, so it was wonderful to also have a wonderful, I guess, role model um, that that was my heart. That I suppose like you, Jerome, your nanny was your sort of your heart. And um, But what I'm hearing is that our mothers definitely supported us because it was my mother that supported me through boarding school too. And worked the two jobs, did all of that, that sort of um, groundwork to make sure ensuring that we had um, a good education or at least had that opportunity. Um, do you think, do you all think, and I want to go to you, Mace, um, you know, what's the special thing about the boarding school experience? Of course, we've already been speaking about it, that um, you don't get if you're not a boarder. Well, I noticed that quite a few um Oh, first, that corridor was beautiful. Thank you so much. All the corridors has been so beautiful to listen to. <sighs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, could I notice that, especially in the fifth form um, and the seventh form, a lot of the um, boarders uh, moved in. A, a lot of the day students moved into to boarding. Um, I think that was to do with, um, you know, with bursary and school C. But um, also, you know, to 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 get that, that bond that we all had. Um, you know, we would do uh, pretty much, we grew up, we grew up in those turbulent adolescent um, years um, together, um, highs and the lows. We, we, we couldn't go anywhere. We had to um, deal with it right then and there. If there was any tuki-tuki happening or um, if anyone was low, I, I, there were a few of my friends that, that lost uh, whānau while we were at Kura and they would come straight back to Kura because they, they missed us, they, we missed each other. All that kind of, um, you know, all those sort of things were really important. Um, even now, even now, um, that, that bond was so strong um, that the girls sometimes ring, ring, we ring each other up. Hey, are you all right? Hey, I had this dream because we that closed that tino, tino hononga. So we would live together, do everything together, go to church together, pray together, do haka together, do sports, do, do the, the kura, study, talk a lot. We talked a lot about our upbringing. And then, of course, we'd want to go and stay with each other uh, during the holidays. Hey, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that boarding life, living together, getting to know someone, really getting to know someone. Hey, I can, they're the, they're the ones that I can really be myself with, even to this day. You know, it doesn't matter what what what, what profile, like what, what anything. When I'm with my sisters, it's all out the window. Really is like poor husbands. They they can they can testify to that. Um, yeah, so um, I think it's that. And even now, we could be apart for years and years. We could not see each other for years and years, and and um, we see each other now, and it's just like we're back at Kura again. Um, for, uh, unfortunately, we have lost a couple of of our, of our girls um, this year, and um, as sad and hurt and, and painful as that was, it was. Um, it was really um, beautiful and healing to to see each other again. Uh, we were in Ongarue for one of our one of our dear friends, and um, and her brother went to Hatupora. So um, there was a lot of Hatupora songs there, and there was a lot of Hatuhohepa songs there, and it was such a beautiful beautiful moment. Um, yeah, yeah. So so all of that. So it's it's just so much more than than a kura. 
so much more than a kura. Um, yeah, but a lot of our day students did come and 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 move in. Um, we're all very close still to this very day, even though we don't get to see each other much. Tautoko, tautoko. Um, you know, like when the lockdown happened, um, you know, one of my mates, one of our mates started up a, um, a PM and we we're all just checking in with each other and um, one was on her own because her tāne was somewhere else when it sort of all happened. So she's been all by herself and, you know, and just all these like supporting each other and this is like 30 years later. And, you know, um, I remember like all the times and I think it's like being in the dorms too, like all the activities at school, but it's the dorms, it's all that corded or it's sort of like, I got a sore neck and then maybe someone's got to do the midi midi, then someone's got the good hands and like, oh, can you do my neck? Then, you know, like it's sort of like, and sometimes staying up all night, but you know, but um, all those funny um, moments of, of a friendship, but growing up with each other. What about you, Jerome? What do you, how, how would you see that? time for you yeah it was it was very close you know close close as you're just in each other's pocket 24 7 we we didn't actually have any day students so we were just uh in and all in you know um and just like like you both said like in the dorms and out on the sports field in the class you know and the whole the whole thing was yeah pretty intense you know like probably wouldn't have that kind of intensity of relationships with, yeah, it was really special time, you know. And of course, because we're forming, we're all rangatahi taiohi and coming up together like that. I think um, a lot of a lot of my form were quite looked after me quite a lot because, as I mentioned, I was the little fella. And so they were sort of like a big, a whole group of big brothers, you know, Um uh, my my sort of experience after that after Kura was a bit different because uh, everyone went to teachers college together, and then I went um, I sort of went off on my own journey really, and then that sort of started off um, my journey into well I went to Taranga Kura which was another type of teaching, um, but more from uh, iwi based in Wanganui. Um, so yeah, my nan sort of advised me not to go to Massey, and she wanted me to. Our family decided to that I'd go to Tarangakura and do this kind of more Kopapa Māori um, based teacher training. So I did that, and that kind of that kind of like separated me off a little bit from the boys, um, which was fine because I still bump into them every now and then and still catch up with them. And um, yeah, but I sort of don't really have that. Um, you know, real closeness anymore after that. After that time, I feel like I went offer my own branch but yeah you know it's just it's beautiful like I still as I mentioned catch up with those ones every now and then and it not even just here in Aotearoa I've been in like Dublin and saw some you know Hotsapolda boys there one time just randomly um and um and some of my travels bump into polar boys and um yeah of course I'll catch up with them mostly at Tangihana like um, Macy was talking about it um, it's quite a sad but really joyous occasion as well because then we can come back together and sing together and and do all those things that we were doing when we were at, at Hatopaura. Um, 
yeah, I, uh, for some reason, I never went back to Polder either until like last year. So it was over 20 years that I left and never went back. Um, and it wasn't wasn't for any reasons, really. It was just uh, off on a different, experiencing different parts of life. And then, yeah, so I went back um, last year to go back to the Kura and work with one of my um, good friends, Hemi Heta, who's a psychologist. And we went back there to do some mahi with the boys around um, bullying, <laughs> which was quite funny. Um, let's see that uh, still going. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, you know, it was it was beautiful to go back. The kura just looked exactly the same to me. I was quite amazed, like, and it was really beautiful to go back and um, and just to just to reminisce and be and remember, you know, that that was a really beautiful, intensely beautiful time. Sometimes really hard, um, but overall, it was you know really special. So. Uh, yeah, I always remember our Polder brothers and and loved them for that time that we had together. Yeah. Oh, kia ora, Jerome. And, you know, like just branching on what you were saying about the, um, you know, like the touring, eh? You know, because you've travelled throughout the country. You've just done some mahi at Hotapaura, which is awesome, especially in the, the you know, like obviously in the wellness, hauora kaupapa. Um, but you've also mm. done it through the world, and, um, you know, performing in festivals and most recently, very proud to see you, by the way, with um, Drax Project and on stages like that. And um, mm. to workshopping your wonderful oro atua with schools, different communities, um, also to winning a Grammy Award with Taonga Tūro. Um, mm. So, you know, like if you could expand a little bit on what you're up to today and, you um, and you have sort of like already said that this was a bit of a flow-on effect from Hotapaura, but yeah, expand on what you're up to today. What's up next for you? Oh, kapai, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what's next, really. <laughs> to see how the world goes. But um, yeah, um, we one of my most favourite memories of being at Hatapaura was our time with um, our mentioned Uncle Morv and Auntie Kura and, and actually they took us over to um, the Sydney Opera House in the 90s. I think it was 1993 we went there. Um, and, um, yeah, so it was an international choir festival that we had to put a mixtape in for. So Uncle Morv uh, got us to sing a song in Māori one in English and one in Welsh, and then we submitted our tape, you know, because it was tapes back then, um, into this international choir festival that was held at the Sydney Opera House. Yeah, and so we we got through, which was pretty amazing in itself, and then so that was us fundraising and doing all that stuff to go over there together. And um, being in that opera house was pretty amazing. Um, and we had groups like the Vienna Boys Choir, um, we had some really major choirs from colleges from America, Germany, like all over the world, basically. Um, and so, yeah, the difference between us was that we weren't just standing there with our arms folded. We were, you know, we were, we had everything and we had Titi Toria and Tirako and Batu and Taiaha and Poi, long Poi, short Poi, all that stuff was happening. Um, so I think, um, that was amazing to be kind of on that world stage together. And um, 
it wasn't that the group won because uh, it was sort of divided into gold, silver, and bronze medals, and it was awarded to um, your tutor, you know, and your group. But um, so I think we were one of three groups that got awarded a gold medal, and that was amazing. We got to perform on the main stage in the Opera House. Um, you know, just as a 15, 16-year-old was quite amazing. And doing that together was just a just an awesome moment. So that kind of set me up for that sort of stuff too, you know. Um, and um, I think Moana went to Hatohohepe. She she was also quite influential. And um, when I was living in London, one of her Taungapuro players said, Mr. the plane. And she was going to be touring Russia. So um, uh, Matua Brian Flintoff, he said, oh, I'll give you, you know, email her and tell her that you play Puro as well. Because, I, you know, I wasn't really um, known at all. I, I was just doing Puro myself, you know, I wasn't um, performing much with them. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I got in touch with her and then met up with her. And, uh, and she said, yeah, if you want to come on tour, then you need to get up real early and go down to the Russian embassy and try and get yourself a visa. Um, so, yeah, that was me. I managed to get a visa and I went on tour with her to Russia. And then every summer when she'd come back, I'd tour around with her. So she was another big influential person, just, you know, connecting it to her being a, um, from Wohepa as well. And, um, yeah, so that's that sort of became kind of uh, somehow just flowed into being with these influential people who helped to shape me up and help me shape my own and develop my own kind of pathway. Um, yeah, so I often talk about it being my trainer wheels um, because we did a lot of big, massive festivals with uh, big reggae festivals and things right throughout Germany and, and Austria and Switzerland and places like that. Um, yeah, uh, where was I going with this corridor? I think I'm just trying to really mihi to those different people that have helped me um, go into those places and my journey's been sort of quite, I've been at the right place at the right time, like quite, um, you know what I mean? I've been very lucky um, to to be able to do the things like the Grammy stuff. And that was all just about connecting with those right people at the right time. And probably a lot of those skills that you learn when you're at um, Kura in terms of relating to different people and different characters and, um, I think that's helped me out a lot, like, um, and to to be able to do those sort of different mahi. Um, yeah, but um, so, yeah, I guess um, in terms of what I'm up to now, it's more about sharing our tonga pool in a healing capacity. And that's sort of come about from uh, having those experiences on stages and, and being like, you know, right from being like in a pub to... Uh, you know, a big stage festival. And I, I sort of found with Taonga Puro, you get drowned out a lot. It's quite hard to to get their reo across because they're so, some of them are quite quiet and soft. And so um, uh, I wanted to be able to develop something that gave them Puro their own platform. Yes, we are not competing with, um, you know, with... Um, the bigger sounds of modern music, you know. So, so the Oruatua came about from that, and um, my my vision was to really tour around Marae was my. That's what I wanted the venue to be. Um, and you know, I've done some 
been lucky to do some really big venues, Carnegie Hall and, um, you know, Sydney Opera House, um, separately from that time at Hot Polder and, you know, really big spaces and places and arenas and, yeah, but, you know, like the marae is like, for me, that's the ultimate. And, um, and I guess sharing around the, you know, touring around schools a lot in Aotearoa, that's another place because we're with the kids and, Usually most school halls are made out of like native timber. So there's that sort of stuff, those, um, you know, those rako vibrating with the puro. It's all, those are the amazing spaces for Tonga puro. Um, and then, of course, you can't really beat outside either. So so there's a, it's a little bit different, eh? Because there's different kind of wero in there in terms of sound and sound quality and what type of... Um, equipment you're using and all that sort of stuff so I'm still learning heaps and still journeying through it and um, yeah and I mean even the online space that's another place you know we can take it to so yeah just developing and trying to evolve it so that it has continued life because um, I guess my worst kind of nightmare would be that our kids don't pick those pool up and then it's like all over you know um, so that's my that's my kind of main focus is with the kids, but then and um, sharing that kind of uh, space with them to to go inside, you know, and to connect that way through the pool because it's quite powerful and emotive sounds. Eh? So uh, yeah, I might be going on a bit too much here, but anyway, yeah, yeah it's beautiful. It's beautiful, um, Jerome, because. Um, Obviously, it's been wonderful seeing you do that journey, sharing it, having it available online. Very generous to do that, especially with the healing capacity, which is what a lot of um, our people need. Um, mm. I would like to move it over to you now, Macy, and then I'd like to um, wrap our corridor up with you, Ngahiwi. But first of all, I'd just like to say congratulations. Um, you know, like you're, you've won a number of awards in music. Um, you've toured extensively and you know, you're a finalist in the APRA Silver Scrolls with Hiwa Iterangi, written with um, Ray and Chris Shetland and, um, and Tūranga Waiwai written with uh, Tipene and Troy and Tenei and also a finalist in the Maioha Award with Waiti Waita written with Sietapu. Um, we know that many collaborations would um, have also have occurred at Hotahohepa. Um, can you please share with us how you collaborate in composition? Oh, thank you for that. I always say though, you know, um, though, oh, you know, those those words have, have already been uttered from our, you know, from Matua to the Tipuna, from Tipuna to our Tohunga, and from our Tohunga down into, you know, these beautiful puka puka or these beautiful uh, kōrero tukuiwa that have come back with our real way, our real, it's a whole world, it's all come back. And my job is just to whakarapo putungia ki roto i tētahi waiata, you know, just to, to, to put it into waiata, put that waiata into the kete o matauranga from a puro perspective, um, from a waiata perspective, from a kaitito perspective um, to help support this beautiful kōrero that's coming back. I mean, for Hiwai Te Rangi, um, the album is called um, Ngā Mato Te Ari Kitafi Mātea, and I first heard um, the kōrero from Rangi Mātaimo um, a few years ago, and Katoko Akete Rafakaro. Um, 
the seed was sown and then what to do um, to write a water pertaining to each fitu because they pertain to, they have a story about our environment, you know. And um, yeah, when I first heard that korero, karongo toku wairua, I felt it in my bones, Ewa. Because um, I, ahakoi tipuaki roto i te kohanga reo, te kurukaipoka. Um, it wasn't until I was an adult that I that I had heard this korero. Um, so, uh, yeah, so during lockdown, um, it was a good time to just nohopuku and collaborate first with Rene Kōrero um, through the Puka Puka, through, um, you know, listening to Rangi's Kōrero about the stars um, and, and trying to also remember um, experiences that could, you know, um, like Whutupuana Kutupuarangi, the, the core come out, the Paka down the coast and that's why that's got that rhythm in there with the core. And then um Hiwai Terangi, she was the young she's the youngest in or Rangi, she's the youngest of the stars and she she's our wishing star, you know, we send our wishes up to Iwa. And um she's the youngest. So you know I thought wow it'd be amazing for if if Ray could um you know he's the youngest of the producers if he could um, karanga here te 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 hunga tai tai ohi naranga tai with his beats the 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 styles for every song was so so much bigger than my own style you know it's so much more because um you know the the atuas and their stars so um you have to go to the those ones that can bring out the atua and the stars um so yeah I had to sort of just leave my style behind and. I'm going to ask these amazing other producers to come in and, and bring these voices of the stars in Atua to life. Um, so, yeah, for Hiwe Te Rangi, um, I just remember having a read of this puka puka about Matariki, and there's this beautiful karaki in there, Tehiwa. And I just love the kaupapa of it um, being like a blessing and, and, and a wish at the same time to, you know, for prosperity, growth, health, development. You know, um, so yeah, those words sort of jumped out and I could hear it straight away. And that's that's my wish, you know, for um, the same wish that's in that karakia. Uh, so yeah, it was that collaboration like really wananga deep, nohopuku, um, and just trying to um, put it into a song form. Um, and Turanga Waiwai, well, that um, Waiata came from a hip hop artist. <laughs> and um, actually, a few years before that, I remember Tipuni saying, Oh, you know, I was part of a panel. There was a few of us. You might have been there too. Um, and Tipuni, uh, yeah, he asked if I would ever be on a hip hop track. And um, I said, Well, you know, the Kaipapa was right then. Yeah, I get this Kaipapa and it's about going on to the Marae. He's calling everyone in and, and um, trying to take them through the steps, you know, and there was one step missing. So I said, oh, well, I'll do the little, well, cutting a bit at the top. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the kaipapa for that was um, definitely what, you know, grabbed my attention for that. I'm down for that. Um, and I'm so, so, so happy for for, um, for Team and M because I haven't heard anybody rap about that. I haven't heard anybody rap about, about Turanga Waiwai, about Pepe about Modi, you know, like of oh, he needs. So um, I'm so grateful for him um, bringing that for our, for, um, for our rangatahi, for our Māori men, um, and for us wahine to hear about someone rapping about our essence, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, much, much aroha to him and Troy. Um, for Waiti Waita, another water pertaining to our um, our too that that Hono asked to share the to the waters, to the moana. Um, that well, that's me. I was brought up by the moana and also in the rivers, Waiti Waita. Um, and uh, yeah, for for that, that was a definitely a, a collaboration with our waterfall. I just went and had a bit of a nohopuku with the waterfall, and that, how the water trickles down. And that's how that that that's that's what it was all based on. That that's what it sounds like to me. Um, what the waterfall sounded like. So um, the whole water was sort of just based around what it, it's like to me. Um, so that's our collab, me and Te Waititi here. Um, and then of course sending the, the the vocals, recording the vocals here. My little setup. I had brought this gear like three years ago. Um, finally got to use it during lockdown. Had to sharpen up on how to use Pro Tools, all that kind of stuff. And um, then was able to send it through to to the boys to to produce. So yeah, because so, sort of when I was singing it, I, I could kind of see who I'd like to to hand it over to bring bring those um, stars and gods through in the music. I mean, Seth, he's from the water, he's Wanganui. Um, yeah, yeah, so, so I sent it to Seth to bring that out, that, that beautiful, the water. Um, yeah, Oitukawa was, you know, our star pertaining to our wamate, so she needed some special treatment. That's why I wanted two worlds, style orchestra through Jeremy Mayo and and um, um, Horo with our pool of the first voice. Eh? So, yeah, to go through that. And I think Hiwa and um, Pohutukawa because they're the two stars that kind of didn't get spoken about for a while. <laughs> yeah, I wanted them to. They're, they're the longest songs. Um, yeah, I remember Ray saying, hey, um, it's too long. It's too long. I said, oh, I'll leave it, leave it, yeah give her a long, long shine because she's, you know, haven't been spoken about for so long. So, yeah, so, yeah, I just trusted. I had, I just trusted they were the right people and they so were the right people to bring up, you know, um, our stars and our, and our atua. And I knew, you know, because I don't do that. I don't know how to do it for, um, all that what they can do. Yeah, so, yeah, ko I just left it up to them and trusted they could do it. What a wonderful, wonderful project and um, fully collaborated, weaving in with each other's skills and talents and Modi and Wairua. And, um, and you, you know, like one thing that's always struck me about you is that you've always, all of you actually, is that you're always quite led by your hoa Wairua and, you know, taking everything in and your intuition, tipuna. Yeah, that sounds so beautiful. Congratulations, Ehua. I mean, especially in the, you know, like the Apra Silver Scroll part, you know, uh, my oha, beautiful, but Apra Silver Scroll, I mean, and, and beautiful to see you and Troy to support tipuna. I thought, I saw that at a Waiata Māori Music Awards two years ago, and I thought, oh, hika, there's tipuna, and they're the backups. And I was going, okay. <laughs> Kapai, you tipini, kapai. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and that's a testament to um, your own humility and, and support for, um, you know, uh, musicians and, and composers coming through. So, yeah, congratulations, Ehoa. 
It's um, very beautiful to see. And um, I, I, well, you know, um, I would like to bring it back to our corridor back to you, Ngahiwi. Thank you, Macy. Thank you, Jerome. Um, in that um, you certainly have been, and I've sat alongside you as well, um, innovative in all the boards, the committees, the organisations that you've worked with. And, you know, well, Mahuru Māori is here now and as Chief Executive of um, Te Tauraferi Te Reo Māori, carrying Māori language to all in Aotearoa, um, particularly with um, your innovation with the parades and the Māori language moment. Um, tell us what you are up to with this kaupapa and what your own aspirations for future compositions are. Kaya koe te One of the things that I'm um, incredibly aware of is that I don't know everything. And I remember uni leaving university thinking that I did. And um, it was a it's probably not wrong for me to say that my education started when I got back to Ngāti Um, You know, it was, uh, I, I didn't expect to be anything special when I went home. I, I just wanted to go home and do what I promised my grandfather I'd do, which was to help out. But what happened was I ended up with um, some of my wonderful um, aunties, including Kate Walker. Um, and uh, my uncles like Stone Wano, Pohatu Wano and Koro Jews. And being around them, and I can remember this funny episode, you know, because we had um, been so politically staunch when I was at university, we had rejected Christianity, right? And we'd gone back to, you know, way to a Māori tuturu because we had been influenced by Ruka Broughton. Uh, and, and to tell you the truth, I was a pretty terrible Christian anyway. I mean, I went to I went to chapel because I had to, because you get caned if you weren't there. So, um, so I'd had enough of pretending, you know, for five years. And so when I get to university and there's this alternative, uh, all of a sudden I'm starting to understand why the old people were talking, what the old people were talking about when they were talking about Waitua and talking about ancestors. And um, and so when I went home, I was um, on the marae in Tarador and one of my uncles um, did the whaikōrero and then afterwards I sat down with him and I said to him, hey, uncle, you know, when you started off, you said, I said, so you prayed to the Christian God. And then later on in your whaikōrero, you kept on doing mihi to tangaroa and to um, tāne and all this. And I said to him, how do you reconcile that? And he looked at me and he said, what's that boy? And so I was stupid enough to ask the question again. He went, what's that boy? Uh, and the reality for them is that wairua is wairua. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It's wairua. And um, then I started learning about um, <clears throat> listening to other people because, you know, I like to talk. and um, But I learned there when to, when to shut up and when to listen and, and know who to listen to. And sometimes you listen to the person who's not the most obvious person to listen to. But the other thing I learned was that the the things I didn't know, you know, and I, I remember being 30 and thinking, oh, you know, I don't know as much as I thought I did when I was in my 20s and then hitting 40 and going, oh, I still don't know everything. And then turning 50 and thinking, yeah, I don't know everything, but I know people who know stuff. And, and that's what collaboration is about for me. And, and everything that I do is a collaboration, whether it's music, you know, when we're playing with the All-Stars, everything is about 
trusting your partners to bring something, you know, to the waiata, to the song, uh, to the performance, and, and having absolute trust in them to do that. Um, so when I go out and play now, you know, it's not so much about being the leader. It's about being part of a band and really enjoying uh, the music that you're making and the way to that you bring to that. And at the Totoro Fiti, it's the same thing. You know, I approach it like a band. I go in. Um, I'm aware of how tired the work can make people because it's really hard stuff. Everybody that works in the Totoro Fiti is there because they love to do. Uh, and and they wear that on these, these their hearts on their sleeves, and so it's really easy for that heart to be damaged because it's exposed. And so I'm big on on um, Oranga. I watch out for my people all the time. Um, over the um, uh, the lockdown, I've been, you know, zooming and 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 Microsoft teaming people because I just want to see how they are. Um, and on Friday, I'm going to make the biggest batch of fried bread I've ever made, and then go and deliver it. You know, because I want them to be fine. And um, so it's all about you don't hire stars, right? It's just like when Macy played at the first pop 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 at at, um, at Pipitea and then came in and was really surprised that she was the lead act. I, I cracked up and then JJ turned up earlier on and said apologetically, "Oh, is this where pop 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 is?" And and you know half the staff were wanting to jump on him and get his you know get his autograph. Um, and and you know it's it's you don't hire a star to throw a blanket over them. You hire a star so they can shine. That's that's what you do. And if they shine brighter than you, cool. You know, that's just the way it is. And and you enjoy that. You don't get jealous of it. You enjoy it. Uh, and um, and it's the same at the Tauru Fiti. I've had um, a Samoan woman, um, Christina Munson, who is part of Munson's um, partner, just the most brilliant um, communications brain I've ever come across. And when she turned up in 2018-19, we had Tewikio Te Reo Māori, you know, going reasonably well, but she's taking it to another level. And then last year, she was the brains behind the Māori language moment that brought in a million people to celebrate that kaupapa. The first time ever a million people have celebrated an Indigenous language um, and has won, I think, close to 20 awards from around the world because of that, that achievement. And I wanted it to be a haka, right? Because I'm a stupid man who thinks that the haka is the be all and end all. And, um, you know, and I remember when she came back after testing it, because that's a big thing too, is um, marketing for us is really big, understanding whether people want something or will. Anyway, uh, she came back and um, she changed my my haka into this Māori language moment. And I said to her, Tuhine, what happened to the haka, you know? And she said to me in her get out of my lane bro voice, the nicest one that of those that she's got, um, bro, if you only do the haka, then you exclude people because not everybody likes to do the haka, you know. And so it's do a karakia, read a book, sing a song, um, do a haka if you want to, anything Māori, do it, te reo Māori, do it, and then register. Um, and then I watched because we started advertising a week out and I watched that counter start to zoom up. Um, and so they buy, you know, by the, the Monday of, of Te Wiki Te Reo Māori, we had a million, just over a million people registered for the Māori language moment. This year, we're trying to set a Guinness World Record for um, people celebrating an Indigenous language at one time. And that's Christine's idea again. Um, we'll do things like we'll launch a, a new Te Reo modelling tool that we've got, which, um, which uh, agencies will use. And, and all modelling tools, data modelling tools are built on um, 
assumptions. So you assume, for instance, one of the assumptions you might make is that government funding is going to be static for te reo Māori for the next two or three years. Uh, you assume, for instance, another one might be there'll be a growth in, in people who value te reo Māori. So all of these things you feed into their programme, that's what it considers, and that's how it builds its, its forecast. And so we've done that, which will launch in Māori Language Week. Um, <clears throat> there are a number of events that have been knocked over too, as well. Um, the launch of the new Anthems album, um, the physical launch that's gone by the wayside because of, of lockdown. The Kate uh, Ngati Pro uh, conference, the conference that's gone. So I was looking for an excuse to go home so we could check up on our fari and make sure it hasn't fallen down. Um, but I won't be doing that. Um, and uh, and of course the Te Reo Kitua in in Kahungunu has also um, you know uh, gone by the wayside as well. But look, you know, everything will move online. We had we had planned to move everything online. Um, and of course, it is Mahuru Māori for those who want to speak Māori for the whole month. And it's something that I register for uh, and then have to do interviews in English. <laughs> but, um, you know, everything everything I do at Te Fiti, um probably goes back to what I learned as the band leader for Aotearoa, you know, and... Look, I was making it up as I was going. I knew nothing about people, how to manage people, how to manage egos and things like that. Uh, and it really got me down at times. I found it really hard because I was the only one who didn't, um, you know, um, drink or, or do drugs. And I was trying to stop people who did that habitually from doing it um, before we and while we were performing. Uh, and it was really, really hard because it was so ingrained into the culture, into the music culture of New Zealand bands at the time. Um, you know, you're talking about the mid '80s through to, you know, to the early '90s and stuff. And I found that the most difficult thing, but I also learned a lot from it. And um, because I approached it a bit like a mission, you know, nobody had nobody had appointed me to save the Māori people. I appointed myself, <laughs> and so I was running around with a bit of a god complex as well. And I think I just needed somebody to stop me and slap me. <laughs> And wake me up, you know, uh, and and but you know those things, all of those things, got me really, really interested in how to manage people, uh, uh, and not so much in terms of you know manipulating them, but in terms of supporting and understanding, uh, because I think people can pick and manipulate up from a mile away. And um, my thing, you know, when my my managers come to see me and they say, oh, "I've got a problem with such and such." I said, okay, what are you doing? And they tell me, and I said, okay, so what support have you put in place? And they look at me quizzically going, uh, I'm not putting any support and I want to growl them. Uh, I said, well, is that going to work? Do, do you like being growled? No. Well, what support have you put in place? And so it's those types of things. And, um, and the sooner I think we learn to be kinder to those that we work with, the better. Because people don't make mistakes because they love to make mistakes. Often, most mistakes are made um, accidentally, you know, people make a mistake because they they missed this or they missed that or didn't consider this or that. So, you know, very much uh, my biggest collaboration, um, the collaboration of my life has been at Te Fiti. Um, and that's not to disrespect what what's happened in in, um, in my musical life as well, because what I'm doing at Te Fiti is what I learned um, from being in a band, from you know, because. You know, that's life really. People people often say to me, oh, musicians, there's so much ego. And I said, yeah, there is. But that's because it's so intensely personal. What you're putting out there is going to be judged by everybody and you're worried. You know, you're anxious that people aren't going to like it and it becomes part of, I suppose, your, your approval, the approval of who you are is putting your music out there and then having people like it. 
Uh, and I learned that if there's too much of you in a collaboration, then people don't see themselves in it. And so that's become a, a big thing. But, you know, the Totofini at the moment for me is like a band. It's about collaborating. It's about you bringing your mana, your knowledge, you know, what you know to the table, and then me giving you the space to structure stuff. Wow, thank you. Thank you, Ehua, for that. And and it's so true, um, collaborating, um, you know, I suppose uh, when you are in a position of leadership, it's about ensuring that those around you work as a whānau, work as a team, and they feel valued for their input, like you're saying with um, collaboration. Well, you know, um, I would like to deeply thank you all for coming today to share about your experiences um, in your time at boarding school. It's something that's close to all our hearts and how those experiences have actually influenced us as, um, you know, writers, musicians, performers, leaders, and um, and, and maybe just um, helped us along the way as, as more balanced and good people you know like um we no one's perfect of course but um i have uh the most respect for what all of you are doing and it's been a real pleasure to hear um you share um of your history um with us all today and i'm very thankful for it and most importantly i have a lot of aroha for all of you as well and um, i look forward to us um having more kōrero more collaborations um, supporting each other and supporting those that are coming through. Um, I look forward to seeing some of your uh, new compositions, Ngahiwi. I know you've got them happening. I know you've got lots happening in there and um, in particular to various kaupapa that have been happening in the news. You've got those waiata ready to go, ready to be recorded in the current day. Um, to you, Macy, with, you know, congratulations once again. What a beautiful kaupapa to be acknowledged for with our fetu, with our, um, you know, our tipuna in those realms and also educating what um, Rangimatamua has started, educating our wider whānau, whānui, even more so through those waiata and obviously also collaborating with some really good people, awesome people and opening up a whakawhānui that, you know, that creativity even more, even more in your own art form. And, you know, and to yourself, Jerome, for, you know, the beautiful continuous work with healing, with taonga pūro, particularly for our taiohi rangatahi and our wider communities, which, you know, has to be something that's really special to the heart, eh? you know, when it's about um, uplifting our own people um, first and foremost, and then the wider te whānui, you know, just so, so beautiful. So thank you all for speaking today with um, sounds about your journey from boarding school up until now in your your musical careers. Ngā mihi tonu kia koutou katoa i runi i tēnei kaupapa. Kei a koe te karakia whakamutunga ngā hiwi.
This podcast was produced and presented for Sound's Centre for New Zealand Music, Toitiara Puoru, by me, Tony Huata. The sound engineer is Phil Brownlee, and production assistance from Roger Smith, Nina Lesperance, and Ngahuia Maniapoto. Thanks to my guests, Meisirika, Ngahui Apanui, and Jerome Kavanagh, for their generous kōrero, and thank you for listening. For more about this and other Sounds podcasts or information about the music of Aotearoa New Zealand, go to the Sounds website, sounds.org.nz. That's S-O-U-N-Z. Nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Toi te ara Sounds.